This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. I am Nick, and I have read all of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. And I am Lance, and I have read all of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. Today we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 8 of the AMC series titled Holes. While we will not be spoiling any of the comic, and by extension, any future plot lines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the series through Season 2, Episode 8. So pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of the episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast.com. We're also G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can send feedback to g2tpodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. Lance, welcome back to yes. Gone to Texas. Thank you. Thanks for Lance having me. Lance is here. It's been a while since yeah. we heard from you. I yeah. You were on the, the season one wrap up that we yes. did last year. Uh-huh. So thank yep. you. Thank you for joining us. Oh, today. no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, I wanted to ask you real quick, just like I, I, I forgot to mention this beforehand, but if you could give like a few brief thoughts on where you're at on this season as a whole, mm-hmm. just to catch the audience up on, on what you, what, where, how you think things are headed at the moment. What, what, yeah. How are you enjoying it? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I enjoy the show for what it is and um, little references here and there. And I love the action of this season. I think that's something I asked for in the wrap up because yeah. the book has a lot of action. And, and you know, it's such a strange show. And I'm so glad that people are watching it. Yeah. And, you know, someone like you is, is introduced to it for the first time. So it's um, I'm, I'm just glad that they make shows like this, you know. Yeah. And, you know, ones that are weird and strange and are t- taking their time building everything like you know like i think you guys commented like you you'll see someone in an episode and then you won't see them for a couple of you know a couple of weeks yeah and it'll feel like you know like where were they but then you know they've been there all along kind of thing so yeah yeah, i'm enjoying it so far and and uh and i hear uh from dominic cooper Mm. that there's a cliffhanger at the end of Mm. this uh, as well yeah he talked about it and he's like yeah comic people will know it but and then everyone's going to be freaking out. Oh, about finally, it. we'll be clued in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, interesting. Well, yeah. Uh, so we did have some listener feedback this week. We also got an iTunes review that I'm going to read right now. This is from a couple weeks back from Zauber Linda on iTunes titled Great Podcast and Great Team. I love everything about this podcast from the foot tappy intro music to Alex's mellifluous voice and his well thought out observations and questions. I love Nick's loquacity and book knowledge. I can tell he truly cares about his listeners, and I appreciate his honest critiques, whether good, bad, or indifferent. Love Preacher, love you guys, and look forward to both each week. Thumbs up. That's that's lovely. I hope yes. it's not somebody we know. I, I don't... I That username is not familiar to me, so I don't think it's anybody we know, but it could be. I don't know. It's not Lim Tong, so I think we're that's good. That's true. But, it's uh, not Yoop. Thank you, Zabra Linda, for, for light, writing into our show. We're, we're glad that you're listening to us, and we hope we uh, don't disappoint you. Yeah, those are such polite remarks. Thank you for yes. focusing on our positive qualities. I had to look up the word mellifluous because I had no idea. Appa- apparently, not like sing-songy, but I guess kind of like a, 
like a cheerfulish voice. Yes, you have a lovely cadence to your oh, voice. Oh, thank you. Thank loquacious you. is also a nice word. I like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't remember what loquacious means, but I know that I've read something where Stanley used it to describe somebody. That For some reason, I associate that with him. It's just tending to talk a great deal or talkative. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so so it's a nice he, way of saying it. Maybe he was describing himself. <laughs> it's entirely possible. I think but. he described Spider-Man as loquacious or something. Yeah, I don't that's, remember. that fits pretty well. Anyway. But, yeah, yeah, well, somebody who appreciates a good ramble. I yeah, like that. That's good. Well, you're, stay tuned. Stick tuned, as, as, you would, as Alex would normally yes. say. Yes. Uh, more feedback. Mike wrote in. I, I cherry-picked once again from everybody's emails. So Mike wrote in. Uh, he had a good question. He said, Genesis is a side character in the comics, but how do we feel about it in the show? That's like, such an awesome point. I'm really glad he raised that. Yeah. Mike, by the way, I keep reading all your emails, and then I keep being too busy to, <laughs> to reply respond. because here's the thing. My thumbs are as loquacious as my <laughs> voice, and I just want to bang out these crazy long replies. And I start, th- I start kind of drafting it in my head, and I'm like, okay. And I read, your, I read one paragraph, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I read the next one, and I forget about what I was going to say in the first one, as, as happens sometimes with this show. But um, they're so good. Please yeah, keep sending. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, the the idea that in the books, Genesis is a side character, but in the show, we're not really... It's, it's more of a tool that Jesse uses. I think what he's kind of driving at is that more of the main thrust of the books involves Genesis. Like, Genesis is, is not just a plot device, but, like, things happen that are due to and uh caused by genesis okay so it's it's hard to call genesis a character is it ever genesis kind of overriding jesse is that that no no shaking his head no no but genesis (laughs) is like genesis is like has more to do with the story like season one like genesis was like really important like genesis mattered and Genesis is generally always at the forefront of what's going on in season one. I mean, not always, but uh, whether people know it or not, you know, whatever's happening is in some way related to Genesis. And I think in the book, and I kind of touched on this last week where I said there, you know, the grail and is one of one of many factions that is after Genesis slash Jesse. So I guess with one kind of comes the other. And I think that's maybe kind of what Mike is referring to that. It's not just Jesse walking around and once in a while he can use this power. It's like this thing is inside of him and it's driving him forward. Yeah. Okay. I, and I, it seems like it could be part of the reason he's so hellbent on finding God, but it feels like in the show it's really that he's just kind of stubborn. Self-motivated. Yeah, to... exactly. And this is another reason why I really miss the visual cue of Genesis because they do the voice thing in the show, which is still kind of neat and I've gotten used to it, but I miss the red eyes. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. There's something in the book that's yeah. so striking when he uses it and his he just his eyes just turn red. Yeah, it's sweet. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like uh, like Nightcrawler where like he has no pupils. It's just like you like he still has normal human eyes. It's just his red and like the iris. Red. Yeah, and yeah. it looks awesome. Yeah, and it's uh, it's intimidating and it's intense and it freaks you out. And at the same time, text. what's that? Big red text too. Yeah, 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 and all the letters yeah are in red. It's yeah. like you have these nice visual cues which are really cool and you feel sometimes freaked out by it and sometimes you feel empowered where you're like yeah like yeah. you tell him jesse and like <laughs> get some shit done and in the show it's like the voice is kind of neat and and part of what makes it work is the way the other characters react to it on the show yeah. is cool and watching them just like stand wrapped to attention is pretty neat but i do kind of miss the the presence of genesis a little bit more so i i it wasn't something i really necessarily realized i was missing but i'm really glad mike mentioned it yeah it's totally valid do, do you do you agree with mike uh, yeah Lance? yeah actually uh, something i want to add i'll try to be as vague as possible but um <laughs> 
the Genesis kind of also helps Jesse find out certain information. Okay. Like, like, Oh and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's a great point too. Yeah. yeah Genesis. Uh, Jesse can kind of tap into Genesis's memory, knowledge. so to speak, yeah. yeah, or knowledge base, because Genesis is like sort of an infant, mm-hmm. but yeah. it doesn't mean that it's not without. You know, I think the Genesis level of infancy is not like a human infant where mm-hmm. you're literally just helpless. It's not helpless; it's just young and not it's a, it's wild a, and yes, yeah. exactly. It's a cognizant being, but mm-hmm. right. still and, young and, in age. And for some reason, Jesse is the one who can contain it. Because as we saw in the, in the pilot, yeah. people were exploding when it was trying them out. And yeah. they, mm-hmm. they couldn't handle it. For some reason, Jesse can. He can tame the wild beast. Right, right. He'll break, uh, that, break that horse. Yeah. Uh, Mike also wrote in, he, he wrote in with the context of my Simpsons reference last week. Bart sells a soul to Millhouse <laughs> for $5.00. He buys those sponge dinosaurs that are supposed to grow huge <laughs> and imagines them eating Lisa, but they disappoint. Milhouse trades the soul to the comic book guy for elf pogs, and Lisa buys it. <laughs> Lisa buys it from the comic book guy and returns it to Bart. And he said, I and probably 90% of people watching also thought of that episode. So I'm, I, in case it was on anybody else, the tip of anybody else's brain, that is the full context of, That's so funny. of the Simpsons uh, reference. The elf pogs is, is yeah. my favorite part. <laughs> Uh, Mike also said if I had to guess I think Jesse will realize that he needs his 1% back and has to find the saint to make a deal which I thought was an interesting idea that is an interesting idea because we keep banking on somebody accidentally letting him out yeah. but what if Jesse has to go back and has to retrieve him yes yeah. has to excavate De- that deal, ambulance deal mm-hmm. with the problem that, that he created that truck. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then finally he said my review in full of Monday's episode or the, the episode we're talking about this week he said Zagnet and Prontius so, uh huh. Yes. Uh, yeah. More about that later. Two big takeaways. <laughs> yes. Uh, Bruce wrote, and thank you very much, Mike, for writing in. Uh, Bruce wrote in and said, I'm starting to wonder if the vampire hunters from way back in the pilot might be linked to the Grail or funded by them or something. If a floating pig was targeted for assassination, I can only imagine how they would react to a vampire. Interesting note. That is a great point. Could be yeah. true. We should probably go back and watch that scene and see if there's anything tipping. They obviously weren't dressed in the normal. That'd be Uniform, so funny if they were. Like, if we watched the pilot again and they were all in, like, white suits with red yeah. ties, I'd be like, well, shit, <laughs> oh, how did I miss that? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and then he said, also, I wanted to point out that I don't think that was meant to be any text-to-speech program. He's talking about at the end of last week's episode of Pig on the newscast that Jesse's watching, uh, mm-hmm. there's a robotic voice. Yeah. He said, I wanted to point out, I don't think that was meant to be any just any text-to-speech program. In, the, uh, in one of his phone conversations... Star says to prep the invalid scientist. That voice on t- TV is probably Stephen Hawking or the Preacher Universe's equivalent. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Yeah, so that completely went over my head. Me too. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah, real good. Wonderful job, Bruce. Thank you very much. And good job, writing. Bruce, on your uh, analysis of, of the Preacher screenplays. Yeah, his podcast uh, script anthology on SoundCloud. Go check that out if you guys haven't checked that out yet. Is it? Archaeology? Script archaeology. I'm sorry. I'm good sorry. thing Lance is here. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's always a good thing when Lance is here. Yeah. And <laughs> warning to those who, who do not know the comic knowledge, there is comic spoiler in that episode. But Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. A lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, Did you listen to it? I did not listen to oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I, I asked him ahead of time. I was like, could okay, I listen okay. to this? He was like, maybe You said not. that was some authority, and I was like, oh, no. No, no, no. I, I, haven't, I haven't spoiled no, that's awesome. anything. So. Yeah, I will have to listen to that as well. I just did so much driving, and I had all these podcasts loaded up, and I just <laughs> listened, listened to, to music yeah. for the most part. <laughs> yep. I mean, that was stupid. Yep. 
Uh, so thank you, Bruce, for writing in. We had two other people write in. I made comments about you could write in from Royal Oak, which is right next to us, and I would be just as happy as if you wrote in from, from India. So thank you to Allison for writing in. Hi from across the street, essentially. And then also Brian wrote in and had a few things. He's also from Royal Oak or from the Metro Detroit area. So thank you guys for listening. These are people that we don't know personally. That is awesome. In the area that found us somehow. So thank you. Remarkably close. Yeah. Uh, Brian said, I love the introduction of Hairstar. Cannot wait to see him interact with Jesse and crew. The parts of the episode with Jesse and crew could have been excised and not been missed. And I agree that the sideline saint means that it's time to move on. Uh, good to know that Brian agrees with us. And then he also said, just watch Holes. And frankly, that's this week's episode. And frankly, as much as I love the series so far, I was really frustrated with the lack of plot development in this episode. Nothing really happens. Not even place setting for future events. Color me frustrated at this point. Hope this pays off. So we'll get more into our personal feelings. But uh, yeah, I, I, know, I know how I feel. And I will come back around to it after we talk about it a little bit. So. Thank you, everybody, to writing in. As always, that's g2tpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. It is fantastic. And uh, we'll go on with the recap. Here we go. So, episode eight of season two, titled Holes. In the teaser, the episode starts off back in hell with a ripped Eugene doing pull-ups with Tracy tattooed across his back. We see the superintendent put on an out-of-order sign on their only source of food, which is a vending machine full of Zagnut bars. In the process, a man gets dragged off to the hole for picking up a marker cap that the superintendent drops. Tyler duct tapes the caveman to the TV with fire on it in order to get some peace and quiet, while Eugene mercifully turns the volume down, and uh, he shoves Hitler for watching him as he did it. And then he takes his place at Tyler's right side. Number one, Zagnut bars I didn't know were a thing. Really? But do you guys you guys knew what they were? Oh, They're like old fashioned candy. Yeah, yes. you can find them at Meyer, I think. So it's like it's like a it's like a peanut butter, flaky peanut butter mm-hmm. inside with the coconut on the toasted coconut on the outside. I used to get like the small versions of those that they have at like the supermarket, mm-hmm. and we would call them chicken bones for some reason. <laughs> that is weird. That's what that's just what my mom called <laughs> them. I should I should ask her why we did, but <laughs> awesome that they're that I I'm I'm wondering I guess. Who in the preacher writer's room hates Zagnut so much that they're the candy of hell? <laughs> it, it, it's so funny because I, I think that it's either it's either they hate it or it's never what you would choose. <laughs> like you go yeah, to a Seven Eleven or or a Meyer yeah. or a gas station, and I've had Zagnut. I don't think they're that bad. Yeah, but if it's a Zagnut or anything else, or I'm probably Kit-Kat. choosing yeah, yeah. Kit Kat, Butterfinger, M and M's, Milky Way, whatever. The funny thing is, so all right, I I work in the in the media production industry professionally, and a lot of times crew come up with a weird like Q and A stuff, like if we're at the airport waiting for a flight out or something. And I've worked with uh, a lot of the same people over over the years. And uh, one time we were, we were literally sitting at an airport waiting to catch a flight back to Detroit, <clears throat> and I asked at one person at one point, I was like, "What's your favorite? Like, we do what's your favorite candy bar or yeah. stuff like that, just to pass the time or whatever." And so we actually had this long in-depth conversation of what is the best candy bar. And this one guy, uh, his name is also Nick, who is hysterical. He went on this like rant about all these different candies that people were throwing out with literally what their personal favorite candy bar was. And he was like, no, that's dumb because this, this kind of thing. But I mentioned Butterfinger as mine. And he was like, you blew my mind. And like we kept talking. He goes, I forgot about Butterfingers. But this one guy was like Zagnut. And <laughs> dead serious. And he was like, Zagnut is my favorite candy. And he was like, what the, what's a Zagnut? Like multiple people reacted like what is a zagnut yeah. he like, he, and he was like he looked at them like they were weird he's like you guys have never had a zagnut and they're like no what is that and then, so when i see it i laugh because 
I, I think of him and how he would he would grab the Zagnut. So if he were in this version of hell, he'd be like, you know what? All right, I could I could deal. <laughs> That's the only sustenance that we get down here. I know it's like, and they're weird candy bars are funny because they're one of those things like when you see something that only that was rare, like you remember Neckos? Yep. That, if I uh, saw a Necco today, I would start laughing and I would buy it because <laughs> what are the odds? Or like a score, score bar. You ever yeah. see a score? Yeah. Like those are those are few and far between. I feel like today. Yeah. And I'm not like an authority on candy bars, but. I've had a Zagnut. So the choice of Zagnut was was good. Oh, the, it was hysterical. Mike's Mike's email makes me wonder: Were Zagnuts anywhere in the comic? I don't think so. No. Okay. All no. right. I I didn't I didn't know if his two word review. No, I just think it's one of those funny things that they just hit the nail on the head. And mm-hmm. you know, we talked about this exact point last week that they're a lot of these jokes are funny because they they come and they go really quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just they don't overstay their welcome, which is. In my opinion, the best kind of joke is something that yeah. gets in and gets out and it knows exactly how long it needs to be. Yeah. Because being funny is only half the battle. You've got to know just how long to be funny for, you know what I mean? You've got to have the comedic timing. Right. And sure. I was just listening today to a review for uh, They Came Together, mm-hmm. which is a movie that I know you and I both love. Have you seen They Came Together, Lance? I have not. Oh, boy. You would love it. Because <laughs> you like Wet Hot and, and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I right? do. Uh, I the do. The State and the Stella. Okay. Um, same guys, essentially. Yeah. But the, in the review, the guy, somebody was like, so what kind of humor is it? And he's like, well, it's, it's David Wayne and, and Michael Showalter. And he's like, where they specialize in that real absurdist humor. And he said, so it's kind of a parody of rom-coms. And somebody else on the, on the show asked, uh, so it's not like those like Meet the Spartans and all that crap that was considered parody that came out for that period. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. It's parody in like the way that like Airplane is parody. He's like, where... It's a million jokes a minute, and not all of them land. But you're just laughing so constantly that that it's it doesn't, so yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> where even jokes that wouldn't normally work, they work because they're just sandwiched between other amazing jokes. Anyway, uh, Lance, you should absolutely absolutely see it. Yeah. So, and all of our anybody <laughs> yeah. who hasn't seen, I'm the intrigued game, now. They came together. If you like Wet Hot American Summer, you'll love it. And if even, you laugh really hard at Zagnuts, go watch They hmm. Came Together. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> if anything, They Came Together is more accessible than Wet Hot American Summer because it yeah. stars Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler now that they're established. But it also uh, is like a direct send-up of some very like obvious stuff. Yeah. Like You've Got Mail and that that kind of movie. Yeah. Which doesn't mean those are bad, but it's just it does it so well yeah. that it's, it's hilarious. For sure. Um, so... It, I guess we saw a little more hell on this episode, and and I think Nick and I talked previously about where Eugene could be headed, and I think we maybe comic spoiled a few things, Mm. but I think we can kind of wrap that up in saying it seems like Eugene is headed towards where he is in the comics. Yeah, and I was thinking about that while we watched this episode. Who floated those theories? It was one of our listeners was kind of floated the theory that maybe this is putting Eugene down the path where he needs to wind up. I think we talked about it and then maybe it kind of grew in conversations with yeah. some emails, but I think some, I think one of our listeners and, I, and it was probably Mike, but I, I can't recall exactly who it was mentioned. Like maybe this whole hell experience is going to put uh, Eugene down the path. And I was like, Oh, it was a great theory. But anyway, I thought about that while I was watching this episode and I was like, that's a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. I think. Well, oh, good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it now. Is that what she's yeah. I'm connecting the dots. Yeah, because we were kind of talking yeah. about on the show how he's so good. And I was like, he's uh-huh. like the purest, sweetest boy. And I For was sure. like, how is he ever going to be like not that? And now we're watching it. I'm like, okay, I see how change for the worse is possible for Eugene. Now. Yeah. Also, partially because he's he's getting to experience these really vivid, terrible things. But also, 
it's sort of a survival situation mm. now where like in order to not be tortured you will do bad things and eventually you might just become bad yeah mm-hmm. it's scary um, yeah once again i enjoyed the very harsh lighting in hell especially mm-hmm. with eugene doing the pull-ups on, <laughs> on the on the like rafter or whatever. that was hilarious mm-hmm. it was pretty good mm-hmm. i wasn't expecting it to be him and i couldn't even read the tracy for some reason yeah. until he had gotten down so it was just funny to me that was funny and i actually i wondered i was like is that ian coletti i'm like is he that jacked yeah for some I, reason yeah like, he, it, yeah it might be i don't know i, I, know, I know nothing about him so i, I think know. it probably is but it, like you know i I don't know. He's we've just seen him as such like an innocent boy mm-hmm. face kind right. of person that to see him with actual tone is really strange. I yeah. looked him up. He does he have any other history like um because um he's not on Wikipedia and with later the scene later I was thinking oh is this like a theater background or something. I remember yeah. when he was cast I looked him up on IMDb and yeah. I was like cuz I saw it, and this was incidental on the part of whichever website it was that ran the story but they were like Ian Coletti cast in Preacher as if he was somebody. And I was like, mm-hmm. who's that? And I looked mm-hmm. him up and he had been in just a couple things. But I was like, mm-hmm. the way the headline was written was as though mm-hmm. somebody huge was cast. And <laughs> yeah. It may have been like a Reddit user submitting something, but I was sure. like, who cares? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he necessarily... Um, he's got some credits going back to like 2006, but it's nothing too big. He's so. fantastic. Yeah. He's great. And he's great. He's great. Made, um, made that character, you know, really sympathetic. Good. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, let's see, anything else in hell? I'm really enjoying this, the stepping on eggshells that everybody's doing. But I also, like, I guess not everybody, but between Eugene and also we see Samurai Guy is what he's credited as. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. getting Getting dragged away for picking up that marker cap. Uh they're they're showing these people in hell that do have these tendencies to do nice things for each other, and I guess picking up a marker cap, like if somebody anybody dropped one in front of me, I would probably pick it up to give it back to them. Yeah. But like the idea that that gets you punished in hell, I I don't know. It's just yeah. it kind of like pretty it, basic. Yeah. It it it, se- it seems like well like okay yeah that makes sense, but I, it's just kind of. Like watching Eugene try to secretly turn the volume down on on the TV, it it, it it's working for me, and I mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know why, but I just I find it pretty entertaining. So the notion of getting punished for doing good things in hell is weird. Like you're supposed to be sent to hell as punishment as for atonement doing, for yeah. doing bad things, yeah. right? And it, it's kind of strange that even like the notion of what hell is about is like sort of skewed it's yeah it's not it's not um it's not rehabilitation in any kind of way it's more of a for some reason they're reinforcing the terrible behavior. bad behavior yeah. Yeah, they want exactly. to torture you but they're not even torturing you that much they're just keeping you like there <laughs> i guess that's the thing that we don't really know is like are they only in that group part because the projector rooms are yeah, broken? Yeah, yeah. Like, they, they did say that pretty explicitly. Like once they're once they're up and running, you're going back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like okay, well, if they're all in their rooms most of the time, like I, we don't know the the day to day. Like maybe they leave the projector room and go back to the bunk. I don't know. Not that it matters really, but I it it kind of I don't know. It's true. I guess if. If it was literally like twenty four seven, you're reliving that same that exact moment. I wonder. I guess I wonder, like, if if 
going mad eventually is the ultimate punishment or if in a way it's almost a release because I don't know what it's like to go insane, but I'd imagine if you break from reality, it's almost like sort of a release from, from being there in the moment of being cognizant of what's happening. Yeah. So like when I would imagine hell being a little bit almost more like uh, uh, Eugene's whole experience where like that was yeah. torture to him. Mm-hmm. The rest was just like annoying almost. He was like, yeah, I know what I did and it was stupid. But like, you know what I mean? Like he didn't come out of that like, oh my God, no. Like he just kind of was like, oh, here I am. This is a pretty shitty situation, yeah. I guess. But he was still kind of Eugene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it hadn't it hadn't broken him at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Nobody right. even, not that many of them seem particularly broken either. For the most part, they're like, you know what I mean? I yeah. don't know. They're just kind of like, we're doing our time and like, just keep your head down and don't be nice and you'll be all right. Like Hitler's like coaching him. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we get a little bit oh, more from Hitler later on. I have a too, question but. too about, about the, the warden or supervisor. What do you think is the deal with her voice? Have you guys noticed the way it tends to yeah, like, that it modulates? It um, does. Do you think that these, that they are projections as well, that they're not real? Like they're either, like if hell is sort of malfunctioning right now, yeah. do you think the voice modulation is because something is off in like even the the function and performance of her slash it? That's entirely possible. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't I don't I can't connect the dots and see what the worth of that would be. I yeah. can't either, but yeah. I was curious because her voice was doing that and I was like, Okay, it's not like there didn't seem to be a lot of rhyme or reason to which words were it was happening. It was It just, would happen at like Yeah. Most of the time at the end of sentences, but yeah, it was towards too. like the second half of a sentence. Yeah. but I don't know. I just thought it was it was and only her, right? Like, well, she's, yeah, she's, really she's the only one <laughs> She's the only yeah. superior talking, yeah. really. But or, I don't know. Or, I was curious. Yeah, yeah. it's. I think I. Because I think then, I called it out in the in the in like the first time we yeah. met her, but it, it. I don't like it. Well, Hitler her, mentions that he used to be like a supervisor there, and he doesn't really say. We used to like what he used to, he used like to be a, a janitor. Yeah, yeah. He had, a, he had his run of the place. Like, yeah. well, good for you. <laughs> did his job get taken by a machine? Did like, <laughs> did technology replace? The... I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, I. I can't. I don't. I don't remember that conversation well enough. I don't think we got enough context to figure out why he's no longer the show. The show keeps doing this with Hitler. It keeps like raising these potential points of interest and then like leaving you hanging. Him. And I'm like, why are you making me interested in Hitler? I'm still struggling with this in yeah. the show. I'm like, don't. The only thing I really want to know is his scene. Like, what supposedly is the moment that turned yeah, what him? Fin- is it him being the laughing stock of the of the art gallery table or whatever? Maybe, that, maybe. I yeah, know. I don't know. I want to see the rest of that scene, but I don't. I don't think I'm gonna. It uh, and that really doesn't matter. Yeah. The only other thing in the teaser that I noted was that it se- it seems like Eugene is like I, I noted that Eugene takes his place at, at Tyler's right side. Like it it seems like Tyler is very clearly the is the, the alpha? alpha male that's mm-hmm. that's present in the room, and uh, and Eugene seems to have at least kind of found his place in the hierarchy or something like that. But mm-hmm. uh, and then I yeah, the only other thing is the idea of wiping your ass with with duct tape <laughs> yeah. is terrible. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other thoughts on the teaser? Oh, the, the I guess this was later in the episode, but the only the other detail in how that made me laugh was the idea of flat basketballs. Like yeah. I was like, that's <laughs> yeah. funny. That would be annoying. <laughs> like, yeah, that sure. would wear on me. Yeah, yeah. Hitler was reading a uh, he was doing a crossword book, which I 
I just thought it was kind of funny. Like, it's like you're in a waiting room somewhere. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think you mentioned earlier on in one of the episodes that all the crosswords are filled in already. Too. Oh, that's what <laughs> it is. <laughs> so okay. like the yeah, idea yeah. that all they have in hell is just filled in crosswords. Oh, so they can't done. do anything with them. So yeah. all, the best you can do is like quiz somebody. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Uh, act one, Cassidy is standing over a nursery, uh, in a nursery over a newborn Denis in 1946, singing Scarlet the Harlot and taking a swig out of his flask as he promises to be the best dad in the world. Cut to modern day where Cass is watching over Denis in his sleep, unwilling to bite him to give him immortality. Tulip is still awake at 2.30 in the morning because of her nightmares, and Cassidy tries to tell her to go to bed, but she picks up her jacket and heads out the door. Uh, how did you comic readers enjoy seeing some Cassidy from 1946? Well, I thought it was great, because, you know, I reread the last seven or eight issues of the comic, and he does mention that he has kids okay. there, um, and that, he, you know, he's like... Like somebody's like Jesse says to him, like, never knew you had a kid. And he's like, I've got a couple of them, you know? Yeah. So, and he's like, he's like, but you know, it's just a tragic thing. Yeah. So it's cool. Cool seeing this. It is. It's a cool scene. My only, my only beef with it was that he looks the exact same. Yeah. I wanted, Mm -hmm. because you do in the book, you do see Cassidy through the years and his appearance does change Mm -hmm. over time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like he, he looks period accurate. To, to whatever era it is. Like, he's always in style for the most part, like, sure. so to speak. Sure. I, I feel like I recall them in Buffy showing um, Spike, who looks like Billy Idol mm-hmm. during the series at certain times, like where he acquires his Billy Idol jacket yes. in the 70s, like in the 70s and 80, uh, yeah. 80s. So, like, seeing that kind of thing with Cassidy, I think, would be great. Right. And mm-hmm. Cassidy, actually, it's funny because he is kind of like that as well in the books. He definitely, he has, like, the same denim vest on all the time. Yeah. And the sunglasses, and he's got like some earrings. He's definitely like kind of eighties out, kind of mm-hmm. punk rockish, mm-hmm. kind of a meld of those two worlds. And you, he—that's where you meet him, and that's the Cassidy you know. But then when you see him in the past, he definitely looks different. Yeah. So I—that was the only thing where I was really excited when I saw the nineteen forty-six, and and I was like, cool. And I saw him, and I was like, well, that was all right. Yeah, he's in try. like a leather jacket, but like he's that's like a really biker like, or yeah. something. Yeah, and he's got like the same hair and the same stubble. Yeah. And like if they had, if they had just combed his hair over a bit and, his hair and, back and shave him just yeah. for an episode or two, or you know, I understand that he has to have the same appearance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But still, you know, do it. Shoot it out of se- you know, shoot it at the end of the season or at the beginning, yeah. just to give me that. Because I thought that little extra bit of effort would have made the the bit. Would have made the transformation of both of them much more striking because yeah. if you saw a well-intentioned Cassidy like as a clean-cut guy, mm-hmm. contrasted with what we know, well, the junkie. Unless yeah. the message is that even in 1946, he keeps saying he's still the same old cast, but he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to be great," and then you know takes a nip from his flask, and you're like, "Well, he was just the same as then." Yeah. So the age at which you are turned, I'm sure, is the age that you ride out. So even if he did turn Denis. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. he's an old man. He's, he's gonna always going to be an old man. Be an old man. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Cassidy, you know, if you were going to if you were going to spitball his age, you'd probably say he's around thirties in his early thirties or something. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So if that was nineteen forty six, I'm tried- curious how long he's been around for. Was he even a vampire in nineteen forty six? Yeah. You know right, what I mean? Right. Who knows? <clears throat> I'm curious. Uh, it was a cool scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scarlet the Harlot. I tried to find more about it. It appears there's a folk song 
from the 1800s called Charlotte the Harlot. There's also an Iron Maiden song by the same title. So maybe I'm wondering if they had to tweak it a little bit to, I don't, I don't know why they would have to, I don't know why they chose to kind of change it, but maybe it's on Reddit. Maybe it's a regional thing. Yeah, I guess it could be. The lyrics were changed. It does say that. Yeah. So the, the original folk song is Charlotte the Harlot. And there's a few people that have recorded versions of it. And it's, it's a li- it's it, like even melody wise it seemed a little different different too because I went to listen to some of it but I just thought that was interesting. Maybe versus. it's like the playground version, like where like you know like Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, that yeah, kind of thing. That's true. And maybe that's the only version Cassidy knows because he's <laughs> Cassidy. Yeah. Like maybe that's his idea of like a sweet nursery rhyme, even though it's like this gross thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Any other thoughts on Cassidy, real quick, in this Act One? Uh, did 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 Denis talk through the translator? Not yet. Not no, yet. no. Okay. But uh, yeah. So it, we do see Cassidy trying to translate uh-huh. to Denis. Yeah. At least so as he's putting in more of an effort to communicate <laughs> with his yeah. son. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Maybe seeing those people in the in the hospital in the last episode kind of woke him up a little bit to be like, all right, I need to. Mm-hmm put in some effort now if i'm gonna do it at all right yeah if 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 it's whether it's for his sake or for denise is is hard to tell yeah you know or maybe he's he's just having this moment of like i i gotta at least see this through for him yeah which will probably come up again at the end of the episode but i mean we can we can hop ahead to the point where denise oh no that's okay okay but uh the only other thing was tulip tulip still kind of catatonic in her state that's how she's interacting with the world, mm-hmm. kind of like on her own track. Um, but mm-hmm. we can talk more about that later. So, mm-hmm. uh, Act 2. The Grail appear to be surveilling Jesse and the crew from inside their apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Cassidy asks Jesse if he could use the word to help Denis, but Jesse decides not to do that. Uh, on his way out the door to the dork docks, Tulip walks up <laughs> asking if she can join him at Circuit Works. And Jesse hands the video over to the dork docs as Tulip orders a new fridge for Denise's apartment. Back in hell, Samurai Guy gets dropped off at the main cell after being in the hole for for good behavior. (laughs) Uh, The superintendent announces they know someone is there who shouldn't be there, and that is what is causing the technical issues. That's why hell's on the fritz. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So the Grail are observing Jesse in the apartment. Pretty cool. We get some more of Featherstone and Hoover. Hoover. He's credited as (laughs) F.J. Hoover. F.J. Hoover. God. Okay. Good old Hoover. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for that. Yeah. He seems perfect. He's like, picking up on, on the good stuff that is that is Hoover in the books. He's yes. picking up yeah, on Yeah. The way even just his little like kind of pseudo yeah. bumbling yeah. line yep. to her is so good. I was like, oh, this yeah. is great. Yeah. His kind of, not. I wouldn't call it disinterest in the mission, but kind of like. He's just kind of a regular guy. Yeah. yeah. Like he's, yeah. he's. He's aloof to like the seriousness of everything he's yeah just like, yeah, he's like a this is a job it's a, <laughs> a great way to put it yeah yeah that's so, pretty good yeah. yeah the the contrast between him and featherstone in the books is so funny and yeah. it's not even that featherstone is like a she's a little bit more of a badass in the show like yeah. she's a little bit more of an agent like a field agent in mm-hmm. the show she's more like stars sort of assistant slash like scheduler yeah she kind of like keeps him on task and like she's kind well, of a logistics person but but she also i mean she was in the fields at the at the bar where she 
met Jesse. I think you mean in the book she was like yeah. Special. Oh, I'm that's sorry. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, and that's what I said. In the show, yeah. she's more of a field agent. Okay, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. In the I, books, she's yeah. she's more of like a logistics person. Okay, mm-hmm. she gets some shit done, but behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and Hoover is just kind of he's Hoover. <laughs> he's, he's perfect in the show. Yeah, like, he's yeah. really good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see more of them. Yeah. Any mm-hmm. any other thoughts on that before we move on to to the other topics here? No, no, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the dork docs. Good, good, good to know that those—that's actual terminology <laughs> in the world, and not just a yeah, yeah, not just Slang. Cassidy's name for Best Buy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, Tulip gets the the fridge, and then obviously she's like, "Yeah, you don't need me here for that that tape thing, do you?" Like mm-hmm. her, Jesse was so excited for her to want to come along, but mm-hmm. then she she just completely dismisses it, like she yeah. was doing her own thing. That yeah. was so harsh. That, yeah, for sure. That interaction in the stairwell alone, I was like, oh yep. my God. I was like, this is literally like two people passing each other on the downslope yeah. of their relationship. Like, yeah. as like one is clearly standing above the other. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they were on opposite sides. I mean, I was like, this is making me sick. This is a <laughs> sad episode, actually. Yeah. Does, Top yeah. to bottom. Yeah. This episode is a great big fat wet bummer. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that scene, I was just like, I felt, I felt bummed out. Yeah. And I was like, oh. This is this is rough to watch. These two characters who you know are so connected, and yet they're just in the. They can't figure out what's wrong. You yep. know, neither yeah. of them. Yeah, they're both kind of like on their own. They can't. They can't both be on the same wavelength right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is. It's it's like the slow. There's a. I like John Mayer. <laughs> he has a song called "Slow Dancing in a Burning Room." And that is exactly what they're doing right mm-hmm. now, yeah. which I think I think it's I think that's a perfect descriptor for that point in a relationship. Sure. So, uh, any complaints about my John Mayer liking? Please send them to Johnny one seven zero three on Twitter dot com. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> this is a call to action. Yes. If you don't like John Mayer, let me know. No. And you don't like the fact that Alex does like John Mayer. <laughs> John Mayer is an immensely talented musician. He is. Oh, he is. I I, yeah. I don't necessarily love all of his songs, but that is a good song. Yeah. Uh, but he is John He's Mayer straight. Trio is is boss. Oh, I don't yeah. care who you are, absolutely. That shit is dope. And John Mayer's ability to photobomb people is just <laughs> legendary, bar none. Cool. Um, the best. So uh, there yeah. was something else in this in this bit. Oh, uh, Cassidy's uh, kind of disinterest in Jesse wanting to go get the to take him up on his idea was really was really funny because I feel like yeah in that in that moment Cassidy knows it's a stupid thing to do. Like mm-hmm. he kind of has this look on his face, like, "Oh, you're ser- you're seriously gonna do that?" <laughs> like that was just me doing my thing. You know what I mean? Like he kind of had this look. It's partially that he's worried about. Yeah, I keep. I'm just gonna keep calling him Dennis because it's just gonna happen. That's fine, Dennis. I'll call him Denny. <laughs> yeah. He he's clearly like hung up on that, and he's dealing with his own stuff. But when Jesse tells him what he's gonna do, the way Cassidy kind of looks back at him is kind of like, "Okay, like if you think That's, that I didn't get the way he, the way he goes, oh yeah, yeah, like they do on the shows." It's a good idea. I'm yeah. glad I thought of He's it. He's such a good friend that he'll just be like, yeah, you do that, you know? See <laughs> yeah. if it works. Yeah. 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 But it, it, and then like, it, like Jesse gives him like a pat on the shoulder. It's like, yep, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it was definitely like Cass seems a little more hip to the to knowing that that's stupid. Like, yeah. That's a stupid idea, even though yeah. it would have worked, apparently, according to the show. Yeah. But just like ever suggesting that anything from a CSI type show could be applied to anything in real life is outrageous. Yeah, like I, I was I was fully expecting Jesse to walk up there and say that and for them to be like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, and they did they do kind of exchange a look of like, okay, that's stupid, but we'll try. Mm-hmm. And then they're they're jazzed when they do it because they didn't think it was possible. Yeah. But 
that that's a whole other thing we'll talk about. But yeah, in that moment, Cassidy seemed to kind of almost be in this position of like, wow, Jesse's that desperate. This is the kind of idea that season one Jesse would have laughed at and be like, that's TV. That's not how guns work. And that's yeah. not how cameras work. But now he's so at the end of his rope that he's like, I'm going to go to Best Buy and ask their nerds <laughs> to try. The, like, it's <laughs> such an awful idea. Yeah. And it's like his lat. He's like, this is my only shot. Yeah. Like, You'd be better off handing out pamphlets on the corner. Like, seen God call this number. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a it's such a desperate grab that I think that the reason it struck me was because Cassidy's talking to him, but he's just watching Dennis. And then like when Cassidy says, or Jesse says that, that's when he kind of turns back and is like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the show, <laughs> like the shows. Yeah. <laughs> Do that. <laughs> it was good. I didn't see that at all, but I can definitely, this I whole think. act I thought was very good. Yeah. So do you want to comment on what you thought Cassidy was going to ask him to do? Well, and yeah, I guess that's a great question. Yeah, the the idea that um that Jesse could somehow use the word to help Denis, like Yeah, I was thinking that he was going to actually ask him to forget Cassidy. Mm-hmm. That was my first guess that's was that he was going to do some sort of memory tampering like yep. forget. I didn't think he was going to tell him to like just die and like that he would die, mm-hmm. but I was thinking it was going to be like some sort of mind erasure. Yeah. That's interesting. And I think because both because it would ease his suffering. I think that's his angle with Jesse, but I think he he wants to stop being asked to turn him. Like yep. he wants to be with him and be there, but I think he's tired of of the temptation of like. Well, and I, and I think it's kind of like it, like it it would be it, it's the burden off of Cassidy. Yes, in full, in in like a guilty, selfish way. Mm-hmm. Well, someone else gets to do it. Like that's the thing. Like Cass could just put a bullet in Dennis's head. It, like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying literally do that, but yeah. in order to ease his suffering, like you could somehow step in and do something, but he wants somebody else to fix it for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is an important thing to note. Mm-hmm. Like failure to to not failure, but an attempt to pass some sort of responsibility onto somebody else. Mm-hmm. Lance, did you did you have any other No, potential? that's 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 pretty much what I thought because, you know, I think Cass just needs a relief and yeah. he's looking to have this guy with this immense power to do it, and then he turns him down. And yeah. then, so now, like, what's going to happen between them? Like, you know, you don't do this for me. Maybe, you know, I won't do something for you next time. Yeah, it might that That's might true. be what it comes to. And I I guess kind of like my first impression, my surface thought, because I apparently didn't think about this very much. I was just kind of wondering, like, what would what would Denis do if if Jesse just told him to get better. Like, what would that cause? Like, how would that backfire? I right. guess is, is the right. question. Yeah, but I, not not that I would expect it to necessarily go anywhere, or do anything helpful. But I just I yeah, wonder would, what that would look. Would like. he wind up looking like Deadpool, where like he's just <laughs> his cells are continuously regenerating? So yeah. it's horrifying. Does it, does like, it give yeah. him healing factor? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. No, I definitely took it as like a negative, sort of a negative thing. Yeah, but I was curious too. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a good point about the the tit for tat kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like mm-hmm. Jesse is definitely a taker. Like he's oh, yeah. not a giver in this show. Yeah, he takes and takes and takes and takes, and he's not mm-hmm. thinking about anybody else, which is yeah. interesting. I like how you guys keep bringing up the Dominic Cooper interpretation. You know, because because it's way different. And uh, there's a quote I I read in the books where Jesse's like, you know, all you gotta do is be a man, shoot straight, do the right thing. You know, mm-hmm. and this Jesse is. Not really. It's not really at the forefront of his mind. I think he would say that to yeah. somebody else, yeah. but yeah. he certainly wouldn't take his own medicine. He right. has no self awareness. Yeah. I think is the problem. Mm-hmm. Like in his mind, he's always doing the right thing, but he's not. And mm-hmm. that's definitely 
the biggest contrast against the books, aside from the hairdo, <laughs> is uh, yeah. he's he's very rarely doing the right thing in the show and in the book. Even in the book, he's not always, but he thinks it's right, and you can see his point of view in the book. Sure, like you can get behind him most of the time and be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, it's part of that characterization that John Wayne that he has going with mm-hmm. him. Yeah, but yeah, no, that's a. I'm glad you cited that pretty much that exact mm-hmm. line. Yeah, yeah, and he's kind of like that in season one. Like we're definitely seeing like a darker. Right side to him in this whole season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, we we did get a little bit more out of hell here. The fact that Eugene being there is an unexpected thing, so they're not getting the amount of power out of their generator that, yeah. they, that they need. I like the idea that there's this, in, this very specific algorithm that runs yeah. hell. <laughs> he threw it off by point oh 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 one, you know, yeah. one, one soul, one more soul in hell, and Mm-hmm. Everything's just a little bit out of balance. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah, I wonder what the saint ha- may, where he may figure into some sort of balance as well. Like is, yeah, I guess that's true. Like if he's mm-hmm. gone, then why wouldn't why wouldn't? Uh... Well, if he's gone, and also just uh, even, I wonder what the the sort of weird uh, proportioning of people's souls flying yeah. around is doing to the b- cosmic balance as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other thoughts on Act 2? Act 3, Hitler tells Eugene that hell is much worse than what he's actually seen and that the superintendent won't actually let anybody out if they find out uh, who should not be there. Uh, Hitler trips a nun to trick Eugene into helping her up, which causes the superintendent to come collect him to be punished. And also Cassidy and Tilip talk about the blessings and curses of being a vampire. Uh, so... There you go. Yeah, once again, we get like Hitler. Hitler being like the sympathetic, like I'm gonna help you out, kind of like you need to understand this sort of thing. Um, I think I understand what he's after now. Yeah, yeah. Do you think this is kind of like redemption for Hitler? No, no. Sorry, I was just licked by your dog <laughs> under the table. <laughs> like, um, oh, hey, hey, Lizzie. Um. No, I think so. I mean, Hitler later in the episode is. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's kind. It's kind of hard to not break it up. Yeah. The the right way. I. It almost makes me want to do it the way I was doing Westworld, where I combine everything yeah. into one. But the <laughs> tripping of the, the tripping and none was funny. Yeah. 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 Why? And we still don't know why that. Nun, why, why is there? We will never know why that nun is <laughs> in hell. But it's yeah. It's, it's There's crazy. like a soldier in hell too. Yeah. And he tripped a hell nun. Yeah. <laughs> We did in this act. We did get to find out that the the woman who looks like she's from like the fifties, uh-huh. like burned her children alive because they wouldn't <laughs> shut up. Essentially, which oh, is man. terrible. Yep, so scary. <laughs> Have you guys seen that cracked article? That's like people who did crimes that would make Hannibal Lecter look. Uh, no, God, what an imbecile do I sound like? People who did crimes. <laughs> what did I say a couple episodes that might ago? Be, that might be a cracked article. That's title, true. Though. Maybe I'm just <laughs> quoting it directly. I forgot what I said a couple episodes ago. That was the stupidest thing. It was so funny. I think um, I edited it out for you. Oh man, so it's gone. Uh, I mean, we laughed about it. Yeah, so. we did. All right, you'll never know my mistakes. <laughs> uh, I want to make us appear smart, even if we're not. Thank you. <laughs> uh, this maybe I should listen to the episodes and then, <laughs> more than I than, than I uh, than I have recently. Uh, yeah, but there was some cracked article that said it pointed all these real life like killers that did these like insane things. Some of them were like European. They were things that we probably wouldn't hear just with our, with yeah. our media state in general. But um, some of these crimes and, and there were like links to like articles. And I, I actually followed some of them to like read some of the stuff. And 
some of the stuff that people do is horrifying. Yeah, like absolutely. that you couldn't even imagine. And the one was this was this one woman. I forgot the exact extent of her crimes, but she definitely killed her kids and she killed like her she like continually remarried and murdered like her husbands and like children and somehow got away with it like three or four times or something, something crazy. But she like boiled them and stuff too. Like, I mean, the details of it were so grisly. I forgot which country she was in or where she was in, but her like, like everything involving her death and burial and everything was like supervised to ensure that she was dead. Like this person was like Rasputin. Yes. Yes. This person was so (laughs) evil that like, governing bodies went out of their way to be sure that she was dead. Like it Jesus. was, it was crazy. But anyway, for some reason when I saw that nun, that's what I thought of. I was like, yeah, this, <laughs> and, and the fifties woman who said when yeah. she burned her kids, I was like, yeah, there's this kind of stuff people do that they, they get away with it for a time until, until they don't. Yeah. It's just nuts. Uh, yeah. Any other thoughts on, on what happened in hell here? There's more to come later, but, uh, uh, did the, did the music, the, what do, you, what do you guys think of that music when uh, he kind of realizes, like, oh, they're watching me? The I didn't was, notice it. Yeah, I, I, I thought really it was pretty notice. cool. It's kind of really intense music. Are you, you just like saying the alarm. music was good? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the uh, the Dave Porter. Yeah, know? Dave Porter, okay. who also did Breaking Bad and yeah. does Better Call Saul as well. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's sure. fantastic. This is the disadvantage. Was... Sometimes I watch these on my iPad because it's mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. And uh, that's the disadvantage. Just the audio sure. just isn't quite as good. Like sometimes I even have the captions on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Versus yeah. watching it on my TV. Yeah, usually on my second viewing, I turn on captions. Actually, one time, and I think it was the episode where, uh, where Tulip is having the nightmare about uh, being up at night. And like the doors open and yeah. the window. I was watching that one at night on my iPad with my headphones. And yeah. it was so awesome. <laughs> so I should, you know, the, the sound, everything in that episode was great and yeah. involving like audio. And so mm-hmm. I should probably just do that more often. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the other thing I did write down the the direct quote and, and Hitler says, hell is more than Zagnuts and flat basketballs, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was, was pretty up. good. It was good. Yeah, going going back, so Je- uh, Cassidy and and Tulip kind of have this conversation mm-hmm. about like what they, um, what if they would want to be, a va- if, yeah, yeah, like would she would want you? to be a vampire? Yeah. essentially, yeah, and uh-huh. and she's like, oh, I mean, it sounds great, nothing can hurt you, mm-hmm. and then he's kind of like, well, yeah, but I used to love beaches, and I can't remember the last time I've been to a beach, mm-hmm. essentially, mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it's such a simple thing, you know, that everybody gets to enjoy, but not him. He took you know? for granted, and yeah. and he has to live, you know, through it for so long. Yeah. And I'm sure every day he gets reminded of it. And the longer you live, the worse it becomes. Mm-hmm. So it was, I just like the the speech that he made. You yeah, know? and he said like drugs don't even work. Yeah, the, like, dr- the drugs yeah. don't work as good as they used to. You or... know, so just what a terrible. You know, the guy was pretty chipper most of the time. You know, making making jokes about foreskin and all that but yeah. <laughs> you know there's 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 some soul behind there yeah. that he um he's he's suffering yeah it's that yeah it's that front man you know, that, that that mask that he wears is, is right. good yeah yeah i thought that was beautiful and i liked that tulip is i don't think it's not that she's stupid she just doesn't care enough to put any thought into it right now but the way she says nothing can hurt you and he kind of mm-hmm. just goes well, he still it still hurts like mm-hmm. things still hurt triggering shot yeah, hurts the exact same as it would, you know. Yes, but she's kind of like, well, you know. But you, she, I mean, she, her point is valid. Yeah, you can't die, so the fear, you know, of jumping out of a plane, yeah, is diminished. Yeah, like, will it still hurt you? Absolutely. The fear of pain is very real, obviously, mm-hmm. but the knowledge that you will heal if you've got 
blood and and friends at the ready to help you with it obviously that does i'm sure reduce it somewhat but Mm -hmm. the idea that you feel no pain uh is is a little ridiculous but i did the beach uh the beach thing was very striking because i think that's something even if you don't like the beach you understand the appeal i think like people like even when she's like i hate the beach like it's like yeah yeah yeah, but if you couldn't go you would miss it i think yeah Mm -hmm. You know, depending on where you live, especially like we're very fortunate to be surrounded by water in yeah. Michigan. <laughs> so we have beaches everywhere mm-hmm. and lakes everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I think that the notion of not being able to just go up north, you know, even just to drive in the daylight with the window down and the breeze, it's like I mean, he's in the car with them during the day, but he's like totally covered in, yeah. in the back seat. Like you couldn't not be- being able to feel the sun on your yeah, skin. Yeah, I think exactly. Is a, yeah. yeah, for sure. It's uh, it was perfect, perfect writing, perfect thing to hone in on. Yeah. Act four, we get the dork docs. They misunderstood Jesse's request and accidentally erased the serial number that was on the gun. But Jesse notices a reflection in the slate that Mark Herlick is holding. Tulip patches up the Saints bullet holes in all the apartments and Eugene gets thrown into the hole, which has the extrapolator. He re-experiences his worst moment with Tracy, but this time she's receptive to his kiss, except for the fact that she's already promised herself to God in the, in the form of Jesse. Eugene turns the gun on himself instead. Say that first part again. Uh, with the dork docs? With yeah. the serial number. They misunderstood Jesse and accidentally erased the serial number on the gun. That's not what, that's not what I, I got I think it. it wasn't on there to begin with. Yeah, that's what and I the, And then they were like, like, dude, it's not on there. You're good. You're in the clear. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the, right. the gun was scrubbed. That makes... Yeah. A lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because yeah. I was like, they would just hit command, control Z and like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't. That for some, I had logic did away in my head. Yeah. Like, oh, they don't have the original. I don't know. They but um, because they, yeah, they were like in on it. They yeah. were like, they were like, bro, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 they're not there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm winking. For I, those I like. Yeah, we haven't seen it. We don't. Yeah. We don't see anything. Yeah, that's yeah. what they were. Yeah, they were kind of confirming, and they're like, like you, you, you want to cover your ass. Like they were saying, like, like. You he, want he was the one with the gun. Me. Yeah, the, yeah. The way that the image looked to me looked so strange because it looked like they put like a black box over that. Like it part was pixelated. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. it. Like it didn't. It didn't look the way that I would naturally expect it to look. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is I don't know why, for you... some reason, I felt like they had they had, they had stripped it. it. Hmm. They had but, dork doctored it. Yes, <laughs> but that that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, so. I think that they were just telling him. I'm glad you, you could correct that before anybody emailed in and was like, yeah, Alex is an idiot. One star. Alex doesn't know about illegal things. Alex is no longer mellifluous. Um, so, mellifluous Alex. <laughs> so that, That's how we're going to introduce ourselves going forward. <laughs> mellifluous Alex and loquacious, loquacious Nick. Nick. And now we need, a, we need an amazing descriptor for Lance, too. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. well let, let someone write in. Yeah, and, there we know, go. I can't get my own you know, that's adjective. That's true. You can't... You yeah. can't uh, Give yourself. We need, your we need Zalber uh, Linda to write in and let us know. Yeah. Well, give us an adjective. We for, need to have Lance, Lance on the show more often. I think it's yeah. just the solution, oh, so you can yeah. get to know Lance as well as we know him. Yes. For sure, for sure. Uh, yeah. So Act Four. Here we go. There's no number on the gun. Yes. Which sucks. Um. <laughs> but the reflection in the slate. We're going to talk about that more later on. But yeah. So so Jesse Jesse doesn't get anything out of this situation which right. i think personally is the most frustrating part of this episode the fact that jesse goes literally backwards essentially yeah uh is is not that was what i didn't like the most here but um yeah tulip patching up the saints bullet holes part of me wondered if like d- 
doing this was going to give her some kind of closure on the situation, but I don't really know that that's. I think true. that's kind of the metaphor they're going for that she's literally patching, patching herself, patching up. some holes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, or is it just covering something up? But the hole is still there. You know. What I mean? Yeah, that's true. It that's just, true. Just putting the spackle over it, it's still underneath. You yeah. Know what I mean, mm-hmm. that's fair. Um, and then the extrapolator. Yeah, the the. Revisiting the scene with Tracy, I think I think they did a pretty fantastic job with it. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like the the one the, I I wrote here in my notes that the, they sing "Closing Time" by Semisonic together, and then I put in parentheses Alex's personal hell because they're all over the place in terms of the key that they yeah. used to sing the song. Yeah, because it was it was kind of horrendous, but it was still hilarious to me at least. Yeah, it was it was it was a it was a kind of sweet thing to idiot. Kids with high do. school kids, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, and like an after school special, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, in an extremely private moment, yes. But yeah, I don't know. Any any thoughts on on the extrapolator and the whole the extrapolator? Here's the thing: I really liked this episode, but a lot of the stuff that happened in it, I saw. You know, if you've seen movies before, you saw all of the stuff coming. Yeah, like Jesse's quest to the to the circuit circuit works circuit dork docks dork docks. I was like, he's not going to find it. Like, I just knew. I was like, he's not going to get anything out of this. It's not going to... Yeah. Like, I just... I didn't... I never for a second did I think that would be fruitful in any way. I didn't even expect the little watermark on the DVD at the end. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But I, again, I was like... It kind of confirmed my suspicion. You know what I mean? And uh, then the... the ext- What do they call it again? Extract The extrapolator. extrapolator. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So just based on the name alone, I was like, okay, I know. Now this is going where I thought hell would be to start. Was like showing you a what if, yeah. Rather than a this is what happened, but this is what could have happened and didn't. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that immediately stands out in my mind, man, Dominic Cooper is just the king. <laughs> that yeah. that look on his face at the very at the climax, oh, if you will, yes. of that scene, yeah. was hysterical. Yeah. I was like, look at that mug. He's <laughs> mugging so hard for the camera, and it made me laugh That's so good. much. Yeah. That I mean that that entire sequence, like it, especially that that last bit, just felt so disgusting yep. to me. It was yeah. horrifying, yeah. and what made it what made it so bad was the fact that he was able to influence the scene to a degree until the train really took off on the tracks and they wouldn't, they would not listen to him. Like yeah. he, he no longer had any power. He was an observer again. Mm-hmm. So at first that was the part that confused me. Cause at first he was like a participant where she, he was like, wait, you're not mad. And like he, he almost realized like, Oh my God, things could be different. And then, it's like once the extrapolator got to the point where it was like, we're going to extrapolate. What if she, accepted this kiss yes. like once once he kisses her her reaction is like this is all new and yes. from there on out he's free to react to yes. the situation happening around until him, until a point yeah and essentially where they she was reacting to him yeah. and then so was jesse when jesse comes up comes out of the bathroom and they're talking like it's actually like an exchange where yeah. it's that jesse is reacting to him but then it just like goes on this like scripted sequence sort of and he they're not listening to him they're not doing any they're just yeah. proceeding and yep. the extrapolator is like okay I'm, this is where it is I can apply more pressure yeah. here and it's gonna I was like oh oh so bad <laughs> to be to be powerless in that kind of situation is yeah. just uh, is I think everyone's worst nightmare it's, yeah it's like it's no it's matter like what a, no matter what scenario was playing out if it's like your child you know being hurt in some way or something like that 
if you can't do anything to stop it, that's the ultimate like feeling of the feeling of powerlessness is yeah. just horrifying. Yeah, like it's it like those dreams that you have where you're like, oh, I wanted it to go that way, and it certainly didn't mm-hmm. go that way, yeah. and mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do to yeah. anything about it. So, yeah. uh, that's certainly what I took from it, like where it was like a nightmare dream, like like maybe he was like thinking about Jesse and how like Jesse's not coming for him, but like here he is now, and this is what he's going to do once he gets here, <laughs> yeah. you know. And uh, something I want to mention about Dominic Cooper again, mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> And how um, Seth Rogen's... I, I watched the Comic-Con video. Yeah. The interview. Uh, well, just the whole panel. Yeah. And Seth Rogen's um, like, advice to him on how to act um, as Jesse is like Coach, Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. Yeah. So like thinking about that and like kind of applying that to that scene, it's like, well, what if Coach Taylor walked through the walked in your bedroom and just started like making out with your girlfriend <laughs> like that's like it's so out of character but like and like if you yeah, if you can't do anything to stop it like yeah. how horrible that is well know? and as he walks out of the bathroom he's like i hear you guys got a chemistry test coming up this yeah. week you ready for it? Yeah. just like those comments it's mm-hmm. like it was so gross <laughs> yeah. on every level yeah he yes. really separated he like made a really big gap between like him and the kids like yeah. like oh i'm just this, you know i'm like you're well, I'm, like taking care of you guys you know like, yeah and he yeah. really like the distinction between like man and boy was so severe, like so over the top in that scene that I feel like this is how an insecure teenage kid would feel like here comes this like tall, dark, handsome authority figure who like clearly is, is mature and further along in life. And like, he's better than me in every way is kind of like how Jesse felt in that scene is like, this is what uh, Eugene would kind of aspire to is to be this kind of guy. And then it's so gross by the fact that, yeah, he can act like, like the teacher. Mm-hmm. It's just like, ew, ew, just a nasty, nasty thoughts. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was cringy. Yeah. But the, 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 Tracy does her homework on the butt. That's my girl. Like he's like, <laughs> oh yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh. He's like, that's why, uh, you know, I didn't expect that from you. you know? They were like, probably like, I would imagine there was some laughing going on in this scene because a, it's a good coping mechanism for what's going on. It's just like <laughs> laughing at the absurdity of it. But I'm sure that. Uh, Dominic Cooper seems like a pretty funny dude. Yeah, he he does some facial gymnastics, as we've noted. Yeah. Th- throughout this whole series so far, and I'm sure there were some takes there where some of those faces he was making was like, "I told you I was coming, Eugene," <laughs> and then, like some of those faces he's making, I'm sure that they all started laughing at some point because I I wouldn't be able to contain myself. It's so funny. Yeah. Just that last frame of him going mm, just smiling, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this is so funny." It's so so dark, but uh, Dominic Cooper is just pure gold. Yep. It's not, it's fun watching him be like just watching Joseph Gilgan be the only funny one is like he's amazing at it. I mean, he's he's incredible. But watching the rest of them have their moments to kind of be funny is is uh, is really fun. Yeah. Uh, I think that's about it for act four until the final act. Are we good? I think so. All right. Act five, Eugene gets dumped back into the group cell and finds out that he will be thrown into the hole if the superintendent discovers he shouldn't be there, according to Hitler, at least. (laughs) Hitler tells Eugene that he wants to help him escape. Uh, Tulip barges in on the Grail surveillance team, but they manage to hide everything, and Lara throws on a disguise, known as Jenny, I guess. Uh, Tulip is very inquisitive of the situation and the lack of furniture and a gun lying about, but in the end, she offers to go with Jenny to the Hurt Locker. Seems like Jenny's receptive to that, but 
Who knows? Uh, Jesse's prayers and circuit works fall on deaf ears, especially when the dork docs find the reflection of a coffee pot in the slate in Mark Herrick's audition tape. The dork docs shred the disc when Jesse decides to abandon it, but in its last moments, we see that it says property of Grail Industries on the underside. So I'm going to stop there before we get to the Cassidy stuff, and we can kind of discuss what we've got here. So Hitler wants to help Eugene escape. Uh, I think this is Hitler's plan. Yeah, and but I like I wonder why. Like what I like he he I guess he clearly sees and knows that Eugene doesn't belong there. But if Hitler was the janitor of hell, it seems like he probably knows a lot of the ins and outs of the place and he may he may know a way to escape, like to legit yeah. escape hell. Mm-hmm. And I think that Perhaps if he can help Eugene get out, he can come out behind him, kind of ride his coattails out. And he just needs the help of somebody who maybe, like maybe <laughs> somebody who's not supposed to be there is a legit person who can kind of cross over and he can maybe come with him. I, you just made me want this moment of Eugene reaching back to Hitler and being like, thank you, Mr. Hitler. Don't you want to come with me? <laughs> and Hitler being like, no, I understand that I need to be here or something oh, like wow. that, which is like... That closes his character arc. <laughs> <laughs> You've shown me. <laughs> no, I think that there, there's... Well, first of all, I loved the shot of Hitler's little face poking out from yeah, under the bunk bed. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> you hear his voice, and I was like, where is he at? And then yeah. he <laughs> just kind of pops around. I mean, again, like laughing at the the image of Hitler is like weird. I mean, it's fine, I guess, to, to look at it in that context. But I yeah. think that Hitler, um, this version of Hitler anyway, or maybe the real version, is, is a little craftier than maybe we're giving him credit for. And I think maybe his posing as sympathetic and uh, wounded, you know, being able to be beaten down by the, by Tyler is all a ruse to try to get, to get uh, out, to get somebody on his side and to get out because there may very well be a scene later on where he just beats the shit out of Tyler and is like, I'm Adolf Hitler, dude. Like I don't take (laughs) shit off you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and tries to get out and back into the world, whether it be to try to pick up where he left off. (laughs) I mean, could you imagine if Adolf Hitler showed up today (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. What the hell would happen? I don't know. Ugh. I, yeah. It's right. It's a scary thought. (laughs) Absolutely. If a hell mouth opened up somewhere and Hitler (laughs) crawled out and was back, what the hell would happen? Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm assuming somebody would just shoot him in the head and like, that would be it. But I don't know, man. It would cause a scene. Traffic would stop. Maybe, maybe all he wants to do is come back out and, and make some art. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in the preacher universe, yeah. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps that's right. Right? Maybe he just wants to come, wants to go back to that restaurant and and finish that scene. I don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah, he's like Captain America, but but Hitler. <laughs> yeah, he's just been frozen in time since the forties, and he's going to come into the modern world. And yeah. Samuel L. Jackson will recruit him into a team of <laughs> reformed super dictator villains. Yes. No, I don't know, but I think that. Uh, a lot of my complaints about Hitler being somewhat sympathetic are going to be rectified because I think he's up to no good. Interesting. Started making trouble in the neighborhood. Interesting. I did not. I did not see that myself, but I can. I can certainly see that happening. Call me crazy. I don't trust that Hitler fellow though. <laughs> yeah. 
You're probably right. I did like that scene though of his face. That made me laugh. That made yeah. me chuckle. Just the the blocking of that was really funny. Any thoughts on? I on like how? I like that they're no. sleeping on bunk beds too. What yeah. did you? What do you think he's doing? What do you think Hitler's doing? I I, I really don't know. And, yeah. and that's I think I think Nick's explanation makes a lot of logical sense. But mm. it, it like I like the i the idea that he see that he sees Eugene and is like yeah you don't belong here. Like I I, I guess that makes sense but having an ulterior motive i think ultimately would yeah. would make it yeah. logically follow for me sure yeah it sounds like he wants to use him in some way he wants to either escape himself or maybe use eugene for evil maybe more evil i don't know and That's maybe true. maybe in that overarching sense of why they're using hitler the idea that they could endear us to hitler to make him seem sympathetic and then pull the rug out on, on us with him in the end i think that's that would that would explain like as you said I think all your fears about them using Hitler go yeah. away now they're starting to make more sense yeah. well even if if you can make if you can make someone who's good like Eugene think somebody like Hitler is good then maybe they're not uh, maybe their descent into not being so good is will be easier yeah like if they can look at things from Hitler's POV then perhaps they can be swayed in, yeah. in other nastier ways too. that's true uh, so Tulip barging in on, on Lara on, on Featherstone and Hoover Mm-hmm. Uh, Hoover forgetting to pull the gun away, pretty, mm-hmm. pretty good. Classic Hoover. Yeah, yes. she shoots him a look like God, you idiot. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's too much to read into in that scene. I also, um, I think Tulip is a little hip to something being that's, off. Yeah, that's, she's pers- yeah. observant. You know, my mentioning her being very inquisitory about it all is kind of like a is is she aware that there's people here doing something that. Mm-hmm they don't want her to know about essentially. Yeah. So maybe she is trying to get close to them. Maybe she's like to sniff them out or something yeah. like that, you know? Like, yeah. I think that it's definitely presented as though Featherstone thinks she has the upper hand in this moment. Cause she kind of said like she wanted to, I forgot the phrase she used with Hoover, but she said something about like infiltrating them from the inside or something. Intimate. Like that. Intimate. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. A good, good way. And I think she thinks if she can make some inroads with Tulip, she can get closer to Jesse. Yeah. yeah. Which makes sense for sure. Yeah. But the, uh, the, the big giant monitor sitting on the table like mm-hmm. tulip's like a tv and she's kind of like oh. yeah it makes an excuse i was like that's not a tv mm-hmm. that's a monitor and tulip will know the difference right uh the julie and the costuming and julie ann emery's ability to look like a completely different person oh my is god unreal insanity wow. is this like, girl not fatal is she not yeah she's absolutely it's perfect she's 100 percent. she'd be so good <laughs> yeah. yeah like even when she shuts the door and then turns around. I was like, it's a different person. Yeah. Like the look yeah. on her face, everything. She was back into Featherstone. And I was like, this is remarkable. Yeah. yeah. Like her ability to just, yeah, even ev- everything. Like I was like, man, this is an immensely gifted actress. And I, I didn't like looking at her at first. I was like, God, I, there's something strikingly different about her, but I don't quite know what it is. I think it probably, it must, it must have been her eye color or something like that. Cause I feel like she has like maybe blue contacts in when she's Jenny. Mm-hmm. as opposed oh, to i don't yeah. know this for sure i'd have to go back and take a look at it but that like there's something very strikingly different about her face that i couldn't put my finger on i don't even yeah. think it's that i think it's just she just brings just her, it her, i think she's just that good i think it's yeah. yeah and even just her posture the, yeah. the way she it just everything is different i think yeah. that that's just the, the ability of a really gifted actor who's 
whose face we don't know intimately. Who's using their entire body yes. as mm-hmm. their in their in their performance. Yeah. And sure. I mean and wig we know we all know wigs good wigs can do amazing stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We know shitty wigs can distract. <laughs> <laughs> and also do amazing yes. things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We I love a good shitty wig for sure. But uh, she yeah, she's remarkable. I was like, that is so good. Yeah. Like, what a great moment. She's so the what a great character to have. Somebody who's that that just all like I said, she's a badass. Yep. She's mm-hmm. she's like a really good field agent. She would be like the the dream right hand of of Hairstar. Yes. Yeah. She can get she would pass that test in the seduction scene. <laughs> and she would yeah. be good at like probably all that stuff. Like, yeah. You could tell why she's in the grail. Yeah. Hoover don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, right. I mean, I'm even just on IMDb's cast list right now. I'm just looking at Hoover's picture and I'm like laughing. Yeah. <laughs> he just is so perfect. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. But yeah, that was a really cool scene. I, I like that. You know, I think we're almost sort of set up in this moment to write Tulip off as being totally checked out. Like she invites her to the Hurt Locker and everything. Yeah. And uh, I think we're supposed to think like, oh, Tulip's getting fooled. But I think Tulip's, Tulip's yeah. pretty wily. Mm-hmm. If she's bringing her to the Hurt Locker just to point a gun at her and say, tell me who you are, like I wouldn't yep. be too surprised. That'd be pretty yeah. good. That'd be awesome. Or before, in a bar full of her friends because she keeps like, they're all they're probably <laughs> yeah. all her buds now. She's, she's yeah. been there all the time. Yeah, they could be like, all right, boys, aim at her head and then yeah. like interrogate her. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other thoughts on, on the Grail in this in this episode? Uh, I can't believe nobody would notice the property of Grail Industries on the DVD. Like the, if Jesse's uh, that much yeah. of a dope that he didn't at least look at the disc to see if it's in it, like... That was surprising because it's pretty bold on the back of that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I lo- I mean, I love it, and I loved the ad in the background for mm-hmm. Grail Industries as yeah. like mm-hmm. sort of the what 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 equivalent could we? Uh, to? Just like a big conglomerate, like yeah, a, almost like know. a Tesla or it's, something. It's kind of like a um, uh, it's like it's like an Exxon Mobil, like, yeah, kind yeah, of like that mm-hmm. kind of huge oil magnate mm-hmm. we and love we love the environment and mm-hmm. people and everything. Yeah. and we secretly own tons of the stuff that <laughs> yeah. you use probably through like yep. a series of yeah like shell companies and crap like, like johnson that. and johnson or something yeah like exactly that. they sure. own so much and you don't even know it yeah, yeah i loved that detail in the background i loved it it ended with a shot of an atomic bomb i was like what the hell yeah but yeah. then that was a beautiful shot with jesse right yeah. in the middle and everything but mm-hmm. uh to address mike's email uh, we were, we're not necessarily going to read it i don't think but I love what you had to say about the Grail, Mike. That's very yeah, cool. yeah. Us, me, 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 shitting when I realize what the Grail is actually. You're all just about. he's excited for Alex to learn more. As am I. Like I think part of the whole reason we started this podcast, we floated it with the premise of like, what if we talk about it? I have read it and you haven't. Yeah, like, it'll be fun for both of us. I think. And yeah. I know a huge part of the fun for me is watching Alex turn the next corner and see what's there. It's <laughs> yeah. so great. Yeah. And in some instances for me too, like in some things have deviated in big ways. Yeah. But um, yes, I am so stoked for like more grail. Like I missed mm-hmm. Hairstar star in this episode. I loved everything mm-hmm. with Featherstone and Hoover. Yeah. Uh, I'm sad about the destruction of Mark Harrell, Harrell's audition tape. Yeah. This might be it. It was, uh, I, it, it, that was it, our it was foreskin. Good. It yeah. was our joke. Yeah, we we will always bring that back whenever we can. Um, R.I.P. and the peace. the uh, when they make the slate clear, slate the the top boxes on on the slate says roll right, as in like almost like what uh, roll of of film you're on, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But it says in the show it says roll and it just says God in caps. I saw that, it, which is hilarious yeah. to me. Yeah. 
and it's just it's R O L L. Yeah, it's roll, but then <laughs> yeah. it says God and yeah. Mark Harrelick, and those are the only things that are marked on the slate, which that, I thought was hilarious. Funny. I mean, people write a lot of junk on a slate. If it's if it's not applicable, you can yeah. fill something else in the field. But um, that was that is funny. Yeah, roll <laughs> God, something somebody some somebody dopey would write on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So that let's talk about that for a second. That's important. I mean, the Grail are in the know. Obviously. Yeah, the, yeah. Why are the Grail the ones auditioning people for God's replacement? And then shooting him to send him into heaven. Yeah, like, I guess I guess that's that's my question to you guys, and, and I, I will fully accept a no comment, but the idea that... I mean, we learned last week that the Grail, like, part of the Grail's mission is to safeguard Jesus' bloodline, essentially. Mm-hmm. The idea that... God is conscripting them or employing them to do something for him in order to allow him to abdicate his position. Do you, is that representative? Like, is that in the comic comics? Do you want to give me like a yes or no or a no comment? Like what? I don't know. A lot of big <laughs> words there, man. What? <laughs> like that. Because that was one of my questions that I wrote down is who who are the people that are auditioning God? And it's the grail. Like, it's got to be. We we thought before that it was angels. Like, we yeah. thought. Yeah. Angels in, on earth somehow, obviously, like Fiora and Blanc. But. Well, um, based solely on what the show has to say. Yeah. Because the disc is the property of of grail doesn't necessarily mean that was grail yeah however i think that it's pretty safe to assume that it was well yeah Yeah. because if 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 they if this is the tape that was sent back to mark harlick's agent after requesting the audition yes 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 that's true well so when when star is trying out for the grail and he in his episode when he's clued into the mission of the grail uh what does his superior tell him is the mission of the Grail? Do you recall? Like he well, says, they're, like they're about they're 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 there to shepherd the end the apocalypse essentially was mm-hmm. was what I if I'm remembering yes. correctly. They're and they're there to safeguard uh, the legacy. So I guess in in a way, maybe God was like, "Hey guys, it's time." Well, but then why would God come down to Earth? I don't. I I don't. I think the the show is is being truthful to you in that God doesn't want to be found necessarily. Yeah. I think God, like the one guy says earlier in the season in the club, like he came for the jazz kind of thing. Yeah. And then the woman says that, uh, I think that what you're based on what the show is, is telling you and the information that exists already in the show, essentially, um, the absence of God, I think, could be interpreted as the sign, the coming of the the end of time. Yeah. So certainly there is some sort of line of communication between heaven and the grail. So it's almost as though, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess I probably shouldn't talk any further about it. Because yeah, I, I, I'm not, I, I I'm not sure what I'm extrapolating out of the show and where it runs over with my knowledge. Okay. Of the book. That's fine. So I, I, I would, I might be inadvertently spoiling something that I don't think is a spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's hard to, it's, yeah, you have to tiptoe around it, but, uh, it's like maybe, I don't know. 
I will just say this: God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> because <laughs> that, that, that works. Because um, and God quits work in mysterious ways. <laughs> yeah, because um, it seems like like they needed a replacement for God, and God put that into motion. And maybe he used the Grail because the Grail had the connection to. They have some yeah. kind of knowledge. Yeah. yeah, maybe like I don't know. Maybe it's something that like, makes sense. Yeah, that makes well, actually sense. this. I think you and I almost could, Lance. You and I could talk a little more openly about this because this. I don't think this level of communication between the Grail and heaven. I'll use in quotes because that term could be used very broadly. Yeah, I don't think that open line of communication necessarily exists in the comics. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. and you can edit that out if you want to. No, and th- mm-hmm. I, I think that's okay. I, but, I, I may we may get an email from from Mike our from resident, Mike our resident me. lore master yes. to uh to correct or Q, or qual- con- quality assurance or, or confirm as we've yes yeah but I, I, I and and that that's okay I don't I like I don't we don't we don't have to talk about it too much because I know that that's tiptoeing very close right. to potentially dangerous dangerous territory but that's. I think it's good. Uh, it's good to assume that Grail is omnipotent, okay. if not even more than God. Like in terms of like how our mortal material world is affected. Yeah, Grail. Okay. Grail is is all seeing and far reaching. Yeah, they control a lot. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Uh, anything else about everything before the the Cassidy Dennis? I think this is a great episode already. Like I, I actually really loved this one, even though it is a kind of, it's not a lot of nothing. Not a lot happens. It's still, all character development, but it's mm-hmm. it's great stuff. Yeah. Like there have been less. Uh, there have been episodes where that were similar in terms of like uh, development of, of yeah, the plot, plot advancement of the plot. But I think this one was just tremendous. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, I guess we can get on to the final moment of the show. Uh, we do have. Uh, Cassidy looking after Denis a little bit more. Denis actually uses English for the first time that we see him. He says, Papa, please, to, to Cassidy and looks at him. But, um, you know, obviously Cassidy just kind of looks at him before it cuts away. But then finally, Cassidy calls Seamus, identifying himself as Pronchus, which is the Irish version of, version of Francis. Uh, almost as if he's asking permission for permission or guidance on whether or not to turn Denis. Seamus advises against it, but Cass walks into Denis' room, room singing Scarlet the Harlot once again with a dramatic music cue that must mean mischief is afoot. And a very intense look on his face. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, Seamus, is this somebody you're familiar with as comic book readers? Yes or no? I do We... We don't know necessarily who Seamus is, but yeah. we actually—I actually, have no idea. Like, I, I could—I could posit some guesses, but um, there's really no way of knowing for sure until the show decides to reveal. Okay, it. Mm-hmm. so there's no, there's no necessarily, there's nobody named Seamus in the in the books. There, there might be in. Lance is either looking it up or he's going to text me. I'm not <laughs> no, sure no. what's happening. Okay. <laughs> The, so there may be, but it's not. Basically, if there is a Seamus in the books, they're not this character. Okay, it's just right. somebody who's being changed for because the show. it couldn't be. Maybe not. So all basically, right. no. Neither, neither Lance nor I can can at all confirm or deny who Seamus <laughs> would be. We actually mean <laughs> my, so it's my, not just yeah. spin. My kind of in, interpretation of who Seamus was was kind of. Uh, I, I was expecting it to maybe be um, 
the person who sired Cassidy. Okay. The person, the person who, who made him, him. A, and turned him into a vampire, yeah. Was was kind of my gut feeling about the situation. I don't really know if that's correct. Uh that's just that's kind what of I a, okay, that's okay. Kind, kind of a guess on my part. Sorry. Um that's a good guess. I think that's the that's certainly a logical guess, but it, it definitely would would raise a weird question as to like how vampire society works. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it would it would change the nature of Cassidy's origin deeply. Okay. Because Cassidy's origin as a as a vampire in the comic is horrible. Like okay. it's freaky shit. Mm-hmm. And I I will never forget when I was reading that book and I got to that part because it's it's stuck with me. I mean it's it's yeah. really, really well done. Okay. And uh it's not a cool moment and uh so the idea that he would have a good relationship with the person who sired him is it would not... it would turn it would turn his it would turn the, the the birth of becoming a vampire into something very different. I think. Okay, well, and and I you know from my experiences watching Buffy, maybe it's not necessarily somebody who sired him, but the person who shepherded him into being a vampire. Yeah, I almost so I almost yeah. think it might be somebody who he knows but isn't a vampire. Somebody who knows him well, but isn't. Well, and my I guess my reasoning and thinking that it was somebody who is, because, like, Seamus asks Cassidy, like, what is his general disposition? Yeah. Of, like... No, that's a very that's interesting like, question. As if that's, like, a... What would you expect him to be like as a vampire 300 years from now kind of situation? Mm-hmm. So, that... Um, that was kind of where I got that out of. But, it you know... What do you think? Yeah, it's it's definitely someone who knows him well well enough to give him the the advice that he gives him to say like don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't exactly know. Yeah, what if he's like him or not? Yeah, and knows him well enough to like make the quip about him. Like, yeah, I assume you have a few kids running around. Like he knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, apparently I'm, it's somebody that Cassie's always going to for money. Yeah, has in the past. I think that you you raise a great point with his question about his general disposition because perhaps vampires are maybe there's enough of an organized society where they they keep their numbers. They make a judgment call, and uh, and they keep their numbers proportionate. Yeah, maybe they want to remain low key enough, and yet Mm. still, you know, because it seems like vampires exist unbeknownst in a way. Yeah, and uh, they don't want to become exposed. Yeah, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, Cassie doesn't seem like a good candidate to become a vampire. Yeah. yeah. So, well, and maybe back may- then, maybe he was a mistake. Maybe Cassie is kind of like the the runt of the litter, so to speak, or like kind of the the black sheep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who maybe accidentally or somebody strayed and turned him into one, but they took him in anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there, there is. If it's going down that path, that will be very interesting, and it will make for. Uh, a very an, a yet another subplot for the show, which I don't know that we necessarily need, <laughs> because yeah. if they stick with his origin from the book, mm-hmm. it's simple, yep. it's effective, yep. and it's very enlightening, and it's killer. I mean, That's it's right. really good. Yeah, but like that, well, Lance, we could talk about it later. For sure, <laughs> yeah. uh, for sure. <laughs> a couple, a couple things. Um, so in the Comic Con panel, yeah. Uh, so, like I think Chris Hardwick asked, like you know, Cassie's not really a vampire, and then Seth Rogen goes, "Well, there's there's some vampire-y stuff coming up." So I think I why think, would you say he's not a vampire? 
he's not i mean he's not like a traditional vampire i think even you guys talked about that like you said like something he's like a like a very low-key like he's like not, a, he's oh, not he thirsting doesn't, after he doesn't humans feel the hunger not, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay like just the two things it's like like needs blood you know stays out of the stays sun. out of the sun like that's it it's like very um just he ticks a few of the boxes yeah that's like true that. he's not yeah he, he's not our necessarily our idea of what a tra- vampire traditionally is however mm-hmm. i think dismissing it by saying he's not a vampire is interesting because like vampires aren't real so we can't <laughs> yeah, yeah. we can't yeah. say well, yeah. like what we all think interpretations of, of vampires yeah. have right. been different in the sense of yeah. like they sparkle in twilight some of them aren't visible in mirrors but others sure. are so mm-hmm. it's always kind of like the the every universe has its own yeah. version of vampires yeah. so perhaps yeah. this is what vampires are in the, yeah. in the preacher yeah. world you know yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out to what we do in the shadows which is a great thing yeah, absolutely comedy. <laughs> it's on uh is it on Netflix? it just got edited yeah. Netflix, I think. yeah Please watch what we do in the shadows. Yeah, uh, it's on Amazon. I don't know. It's on one of those. It's on one services. of them. Yeah, it might be yeah. Amazon. Yeah, Pranchus. We should probably talk about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Name change at some point in history, I yes. guess. Right, but I th- there's not a whole lot else to 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 for me to talk about. In do you want sense. us to talk about that at all? I don't know if I do or not. Uh, are you are you happy well, to see? A- it? I can ask you questions. Yeah. Go. Are you happy to hear that name? Yes. Uh, is it is it is it revealed in a similar manner in the books? No, no. In the books, it's 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 precious in the books how it's done. Yes, okay. and this and, is this is yeah. kind of it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. It's it's cool. Like it's enticing. Yeah. The thing is, if I was watching this show and I heard him say, "I'd be like, what did he say?" Like, I wouldn't know that's a name. Yeah, I, first and I, of all, I had so I got Mike's email, his two word review, and I read that, and I was like, "What the hell is he talking about?" Like, I knew what a Zagnut was, yeah. but I was like, "What is he talking?" Is about? Is that another candy bar? <laughs> yeah. So then, watching it, I was like, "Oh, you know," like I, I had the subtitles turned on, and then he said it there, and I was like, "Wait a second. And I rewound it, and I looked at it again. Yes. I was like, "That's what Mike." So was I read. About. I saw Mike's email drop into my phone before I watched the episode. Yeah. And when I saw him say Zagnut, I was like, what the hell? I saw him say Pranchus, and I was like, oh, oh boy. good. I was really excited. I was really excited. And then it happened, and I was like, well, that's cool, but it's not It's not the same way, like like Lance said, that it's done in the books. And in the books, it's really awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny. It's like, just funny. So yeah. Pranchus is his, is his real first name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that is his legal... That's, okay. his, that's his birth name. That makes mm-hmm. sense to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, it's the fact that he refers to that he inter- that he doesn't say it's Cassidy, it's Pranchus. Also, is very telling that this person knows has him. been around for a while. Yeah, it goes yeah. back to back when. But mm-hmm. so that that is also some more uh, some more sprinkling some, uh, of, of yeah, breadcrumbs. Little, little breadcrumb. coming, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I'm another Reese's pieces I'm for down. the trail <laughs> yeah. of us ETs just wandering through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that it was cool to hear it. I definitely. I, that that's a moment I was waiting for mm-hmm. because I love that issue. Yeah, definitely. There's basically. So I've talked about this on on the show with you, Alex, uh, several times. That Cassidy is very like surface level character for like the first yeah maybe like twelve issues or something like that, mm-hmm. and yeah. then you get some backstory, and then you get one issue that's pretty much about Cassidy. Yep, and it's mostly him talking about his past, and it's. It's got some twists and some reveals in it that are fantastic. It's a, it's a, spe- is it two issues or just one? I think it's two. I think it is. It, go, it goes I across. It, I think it is as well. Yeah. And uh, 
It's so well done. And I remember the first time I read it and you read it and you're thinking this thing and then it's another thing and then you're thinking this thing and it's another thing and it's just, it's nice and, and it's just a really good yarn. And it could make for a very compelling entire episode of this show. Hmm. And it also deepens the bond and the friendship between Cassidy and Jesse. For sure. Tremendously. And uh, they don't really seem to like each other very much right now in the show, which is... Right. Still kind of a drag. Like, yeah. Tulip and Cass, or I'm sorry, Tulip and Jesse being at odds is one thing. And like, I, I'm, I'm not saying I like it, but the tension is fine between them. I, I, I kind of am like, choose one right now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because like Jesse, this Jesse by himself, like all these three characters kind of marooned on their own islands is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Like it's nice when they have one or the other to kind of lean on. Yep. So I'm looking for that hardcore like Jesse Cassidy bro out that we still haven't really. Yeah, Cass mm-hmm. and Tulip have a little bit of that at the moment, but mm-hmm. between Jesse's relationship, and I think it's because really. they both love Jesse so much, mm-hmm. and he's kind of shirking them both. Well, and they're all dealing with a lot right now, like Tulip dealing with the mortality or whatever it happens to be that that all is, and Cassidy dealing with Denis. And Jesse headstrong going like, I need to find God is clearly like it's like nobody's really. Well, yeah. And I mean, Jesse's Jesse's quest is, um, you know, it's not just like a, a whodunit yeah. or a missing person's case. I mean, his life and his identity revolve around the belief that God sits on the throne and watches over us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if you're a non-believer of any kind. Um, I think it's easy to look at somebody in that position and be like, so what? Like yeah. deal with it. But if you're a believer and you're devout and you're, you've accepted that and, and, and it's, it's what, it's a thing that matters to you tremendously. And that rug is pulled out from under you. Uh, your whole world would come crashing down because you literally, I mean, you exist with the belief that after you die, you go up there and you get to be there for eternity. Oh, yeah. And you've, You've served and been good and faithful, and if that's not the case anymore, like, oh my God, mm-hmm. <laughs> how how would that feel? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's and I think it's an amazing uh, question, and it's really fun to think about. And I think in the in episode nine of the first season, during the big God Mark Harrelick scene, yeah. which is so funny, mm-hmm. it's such a hilarious scene. Mm-hmm. But the, and we talked about this in our episode, like yeah. how would that feel? Yeah. Well, and then watching see, the events of episode ten, exactly and seeing the the depravity yeah. that occurs, and a lot of it's played for laughs, but uh, yeah. a, a lot of it is very you know very real. And I think that I do kind of miss that question. Is it almost like Mike said about Genesis? It feels like a lot of the really important things about the story are getting um, sort of pushed aside. And I'm still struggling with, man, struggling is not, not the right word because it's really not that big of a deal. But uh, Tulip and Cassidy, especially Tulip, like we're still spending a lot of time circling the drain of whatever this particular problem is with her. And I'm yeah. kind of ready to either resolve it and move on or at least get into it more. Yeah. Because I think, you know, there's obviously this duality between, uh, the book and the show and I have the two fictions in my mind where, you know, you, you have the one and then Lance is doing a better job. I think of dealing with the show than I am. I don't know not, about that. <laughs> not that I, not that I don't like it, but I think that in my mind, I still have these questions of like, I love the, the God story and the questions that that raises uh, so much from the books that 
it feels like it's really missing from the show. Yeah. And I think Well, that- the comics, you know, the 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 deep things that Jesse can say to himself or say to somebody else, really when you see him on the page and you read about them and like um Bruce made a comment about like how you can when you read a comic book, you have more time to think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So that's a great point. So, and the TV show goes pretty fast. Um, and you can't. I mean, I, I have been in that situation. I think as we all have, where if you're reading a comic book or even a, just a book, you can stop for a second and yeah. you can like you can drop your bookmark in there and you can you can think about what you just read mm-hmm. or like you know come back to it later and resume. Mm-hmm. But with the show, obviously you can't necessarily do. I mean who's going to pause the TV and go wow and think yeah. about what you just experienced you right. know what I mean yeah. unless you're fortunate enough to have a ter- terrific podcast <laughs> and great uh, co-hosts <laughs> to talk with yeah. to, to sort through these complex feelings sure. that a preacher uh, raises that's what we're here for yeah, absolutely this is like therapy really mm-hmm. yes. just all get a front row seat yep no uh, I'm just I'm, I'm ready for a little bit more of that I, I'm ready yeah. for some of those those big questions mm-hmm. and I think I just want the show to be asking those questions of viewers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think we're, I, I'm coming to the table with this because I've read it in the book and the book raises it a little bit more uh, bluntly, which again is something that can happen in that medium. It's different mediums. You can't, in a comic book, you can have a character grab somebody and shake them by the collar and be like, what do you mean? God's not in heaven. But in the show, it can come across as like stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I understand that there are these challenges, but uh, I think there's got to be a way to weave a little bit more of that. Yeah. Well, and I think we and now, got... now that we have the grail on the scene, we're probably going to get a lot more of it. We got a little bit of that, and I don't, I don't. Maybe the execution was a little bit poor, as we've talked about in the past couple episodes. But the idea of selling part of your soul, mm-hmm. yeah, that's certainly there. But I don't think they hit it in a way that makes us think about it ourselves. It seemed so outlandish to us that, um, especially in the way that I think we all think about souls, and that it's not necessarily tangible, and we don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So giving it that like face of in your vein can be taken away by a needle is a disconnect that doesn't allow us to be like, what would I sell my soul for and what do I think it would be worth to somebody else kind of thing, which is certainly in that episode, but it doesn't hit you in a way that makes you want to reflect on it. Yeah, and it's it's gone yeah. for now. Yeah. Like you either need to continue to string that out in a way that's consistent so it's Sad, on our yeah. mind or close it off because like which i guess jesse does string it along a little bit here because he does pray to god and say i i sold part i, I gave part of my true. soul away for you mm-hmm. but and it is good that that's on his radar yeah. <laughs> we were uh, we were unsure yeah but i feel like you can raise questions like that in like a twilight zone episode and you have a beginning a middle and an end within this certain time period and, and it'll leave you thinking like, yeah but i i Dare say no one left that episode of Preacher going, wow, what is my soul worth? No. What did I sell it for? No. Yeah. Yeah. So, so while it is a great... They made it cool, you know, where it was just like, you know, it was like, what about this shop? What about that shop? You know? Yeah. They made it cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the Matrix. It was just cool. I know, right? Yeah. It was cool to shoot up a building lobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. It, it's... Uh, it's a lot of flash over the top of it that kind of masks the the questions. And I think in a way, if that's if that's Rogan and Goldberg's kind of thesis that they can drop these huge things on us and, and people are dumb enough in real life to not even think about it, like the people in the show. Yeah. So I mean like yeah, the the events of episode ten of season one should be horrifying, but 
like I think a lot of it, like I said, it's played for laughs. And, yeah. and I mean, it's okay to laugh at it. That's kind of the reaction that you're supposed to have. But it's funny that that's kind of what they choose to do is like make you laugh about it rather than make you actually think about it. Yeah. We got way off anyway. My bad. <laughs> well, and I guess the final question we can ask, do you do you guys feel that Cassidy is going to turn to me? I d- don't think so, personally. You don't think so? Um, you know, it's just a, just a powerhouse of acting that you don't know. I mean, yeah. you know, because oh, yeah. when he walks up to him, the, Cassidy's eyes on Denis is like, I'm about to do something to you. And I don't know if it's I'm going to bite you or if I'm going to smother you. Yeah. So that's, you know, and then, and then Denis... Like kind of you know, acting hey, is reacting. What if the next episode we take a we take a back seat and we get Cassidy backstory, and then the following episode starts with him strangling Denise? Mm, yeah. <laughs> that'd be baller. Yeah, yeah. But that'd be so boss because mm-hmm. uh, like I that feels like a very AMC thing to do. Of like we're gonna make you wait just another episode <laughs> to. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I even kind of looked. I I always see the first few seconds of the next week on, and then my app tries to rewatch the first episode or something. Yeah, I watched the first few seconds of it. And I was like looking for any hint of Denis. Yeah, I actually just thought of something that might happen, and I can't talk to you about it, unfortunately. Okay, that's, so that's uh, fine. I'll have to I'll have to talk to Lance about it in the parking lot. Yeah, so gotcha. outside of your house. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but I I I don't. Th- Based on just what the show did, I don't think so because I I think that the I think the song is the indicator. The music because he sang no, he yeah. sang the song when he brought him into the world, and I think he's singing it to him as he's gonna take, take him, him out. out. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, if Cassidy takes responsibility for this guy and actually does something, it is it kind of in a way runs contrary to his character. Hmm. Cassie's definitely a like I'd rather talk my way out of it or have somebody else clean it up kind of guy. Yeah. And in the show, he seems to be a little bit more motivated than that. So uh, it, it it would work for TV Cassidy for yeah. sure. In the books, he would probably not have even stuck around this long with his son. He would he would have been like, oh, he's sick. I'm out of here. That's yeah. gross. Peace <laughs> out. I don't like sick people. That's fair. So I it de- the song seemed to be the thing for me that he's kind of like lullabying him out. And the look on Dennis's face is like. He looks excited. I think either yeah. way, mm-hmm. either way, he's yep. gonna you're going to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and thank you for finally being a dad and, and taking charge in some way. Yeah, that that was so sad, man. I forgot the name of the actor who plays Dennis mm-hmm. again, but he looked like a little kid in so many of those moments. And I was like, man, he really lo- it, this feels like father and son and not in the way that would normally be depicted. Yeah, like it, re- it was really good. Like the. the the chemistry between those two is terrific, even though they're not even speaking the same language. Hmm. Yeah. Like, it was just fantastic. Papa, yeah. that was really, oh man, it's yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. It's heartbreaking. Ronald Gutman is is the actor who plays Denny. Yeah, he did look like a little kid. Yeah, he was like Jack. He's like really <laughs> nine years old, but super old. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh yeah, I think that's all that what we do you, got. What, what do you think? I I don't. I mean, I walked into this episode feeling very confident that he was going to turn him really but i think it's mostly just because of the dramatic music stab because i want to believe that they're not going to cheat us like that but i think they entirely could you mean cheat us if he killed him no cheat cheat us in the way of of they're leading us to believe that and i feel like the music sells that he's going to because I, I didn't even necessarily think, well, maybe he's going to kill him. Mm. I just kind of thought, like, he walked in there and was like, you know, 
Seamus told me not to, but I think this is what I need to do. It would be the irresponsible thing to do. Exactly. It would be pretty in line yeah. with Cassidy as well. Or it might be the easier thing to do for him. Yes. So that's a good point. Rather than to... Because to he, he reminisces with Tulip and very much says everybody you love or care about yeah. is going to die and you won't. <laughs> like the idea that for once Cassidy's like, I'm not going to let this person die. Well... That is interesting because Cassidy doesn't care about him. Yeah, exactly. He might love him on like a primal level of like you, uh, you, you are, are my family. you are my offspring, yeah. and I I've created you in some way. But that's a good point. He may. Uh, I think I don't want him to because I don't necessarily want more subplot running around out there. Yeah. But there's there's an arc later in the comics that kind of has to do with some of what we're tiptoeing around in yeah. this in this. Uh, portion of the show and I think that if he does turn him it might lead us there okay so I could see that happening we may not even know actually like the, the next episode Dennis might be gone all, yeah. all traces of him might be gone and they, they <laughs> and might say just... like what happened to Dennis and Cass might just be like oh he's gone and they may <laughs> interpret that their own way and we won't know ever yeah or... much like the I took him down that Jesse yeah. did yeah exactly yeah, no, exactly <laughs> Or when he said to Tulip about the scene of killers, yeah, yeah, he's he's not he's around anymore. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we went super long, but I think we had a lot of good discussion. I did not. Nece- I I kind of agreed with Brian going into this discussion that we had. I did not necessarily enjoy this episode, but now that I've realized that there was a lot of character stuff here, I'm okay with the lack of plot. Brian didn't like this one. Brian did not. Yeah, Brian, Brian's the one who said. Um, Brian said, just watch Holes, and frankly, as much as I love the series so far, I was really frustrated with the lack of plot development. Oh, I okay, I'm sorry. You read that earlier. I thought he was talking about a different episode. No, okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, he was talking about this Yeah, I'm, for some reason, some of the feed... So Alex just kind of recently looped me into the feedback channel, um, and some of it... I, it, I get disoriented It's hard because sometimes. we get people responding to our episode about last week's show, and yes. then also telling us about what they thought yeah. about this week's, which I think is that's totally cool. I just probably need to delineate it a little bit. No, no, and, talk and about it. the other confusing thing is just because sometimes I open it on my phone and it's already marked as red. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you've read it. Yeah. So then I'm like, well, wait. And then I look and I have to go to the top of the thread. And sometimes it just gets lost. And I'm like, this isn't worth it. Alex will tell me later. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I maybe I need to maybe we need to have some sort of forwarding system set up. So yeah, that I, can, I can I can add it to forward to you. Whatever. We'll figure it yeah. out. Nobody. But, nobody needs to hear about the inner. <laughs> Oh, about hell breaking down here on this end. <laughs> the balance has been tipped. Yes. There's a new inbox added and it's screwing everything up. Eugene has hit my iPhone. But overall, did you Lance, did you enjoy the episode? I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean not a lot of plot, but it's all it's all character. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think that's maybe the key to, to enjoying this one is is being able to appreciate the character stuff. And hopefully hopefully maybe Brian will feel a little bit better about it if he made it through this two hour episode of, of Gone to Texas. But. Ooh we um, yeah, well, the you know having Lance here is helpful. Yes, <laughs> or not? No, it's <laughs> no. fantastic. I th- I'm glad you like it. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you're still along for the ride. Yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to see where it goes. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I want to see what the cliffhanger is that we're about to. <laughs> you know something? And I, I, th- I have an idea about what it is. And if they say that the comic people will know it, I'm just like, oh my god! Like, are you about to do that to everybody? Interesting. So I'm trying to think of what it could be. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things. There's so many be. things it could be. With where we are presently. Yeah. All right. 
You I, don't, I, think I don't know. This is getting into your parking There's one, lot conversation. Yeah, I okay. But, yeah, I just like the idea of somebody listening to this podcast just hearing us go, ugh. <laughs> They're like, what are they thinking? Oh, man. Just <laughs> sighing repeatedly and yeah. locking eyes with each other across the table. <laughs> uh, once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on g2tpodcast.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast.com. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Music. We're G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can email us, g2tpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, and HBO's Westworld. Find out more about these shows as well as how to support the network at midwestpodcastnetwork.com. We just did a commentary track for the movie called Sleepaway Camp for Horror Movie Yearbook. Let's go check out Horror Movie Yearbook and uh, give that a watch if you're a fan of that movie. And our theme is the uh, our theme music is the song All In by The Red Thread and it is being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. That's all for this episode of Gone to Texas. We can't wait to see what next week's episode brings. But until then, go forth and speak the good word.